As we get ready to embark on the final episode in the domestic violence series on um, Not Easily Broken, I want to share a few things with you guys. So over the last four or five episodes or so, I've gotten so much feedback from different people, you know, some people listening and saying how much an episode touched them or how much a story touched them. It also, for me, was a bit of therapy in that... um, I was able to connect my story with some stories of friends that I've had for years, some of them. Um, A lot of the stories that you guys heard for the first time, I was hearing for the first time, too. And so you just don't know. I think that's a testament. You just don't know what people are going through. In my own life, I've shared much of my story um, in in the course of these episodes, but I have had experiences with domestic violence. Um, whether it was witnessing it as a child on some levels to experiencing it to having to deal with it as a parent Um, and without, you know, exposing everybody else's business besides my own, I just want to say that it changes you. It changes the way that you see relationships. It changes the way that you see people. And I encourage you to listen with your heart because people need you. More often than not, domestic violence touches someone's life in some way. And then ironically, this weekend I was at a softball tournament with Lana, and she wanted to watch this. uh, I thought it was a movie, and she actually sucked me into a series, and it's called uh, Made. And so if you have not watched it, um, it kind of hinges on the main character trying to get away from an abusive relationship. And one of the things that they talk about in the movie is that it typically takes victims seven times of leaving before they actually leave. And that's if they ever leave at all and if they ever leave and actually stay gone. So I want to just use that statistic to tell you to be encouraged. If you are in a situation, if you're going through a situation, if someone you love is in a situation and you're frustrated and you're tired of feeling like you're banging your head against the wall and they're not listening, just be diligent, be patient. Um, if you're in the situation, get help. Um, there are no easy answers, but you are loved and you are not alone. And um, I really enjoyed this conversation with the DA, and I hope that you'll get something from it. All right, let's get started. So today I have Erica with me. We are continuing. Yeah, we are continuing the um, series on domestic violence. And Erica has a unique perspective, um, a bit different, I think, maybe we'll find out during the the episode, but a bit different from the interviews that we've done already, um, kind of from the perspective of like victims and people that have been through it and people that are some that are going through it still. Um, One of the young ladies that was um, in uh, Juanetta, when we did our recording, she was like one month out, like maybe two. Um, and it's funny because we actually recorded in July, but then it just, the season just aired, um, two weeks ago. So I posted her story last week. And when I reached out to her to say, Hey, I want to let you know that you're, you know, it's coming. Here's the flyer. You know, she was like, we we were able to catch up. Um, and she was like, I'm in such a different place. She's like, I'm in such a different place because one of the concerns that I had was when we finished our episode, we were, we were talking towards the end. She was still like, if he comes back, like, because Mm -hmm. he left her. Right. Mm -hmm. So they, you know, they went through their thing um, and they were married, but she was committed to the commitment. Right. She was committed to the marriage. And she was like, I mean, but if he comes back, we have work to do. And I was like, huh? She's mm-hmm. like, I know, oh, we don't look at me like that. And I had to really, <laughs> you know, check myself because 
I really try to make it a non-judgmental space, right? So yeah. it wasn't from a place of judgment. Um, and she and I weren't friends prior to our recording. So it wasn't like I had this ingrained, like, protectiveness. But I think in that moment, my, like, mama bear came out and was like, no, girl, he can't come back. That's right. You know, he can't come back. <laughs> I mean, just in this last hour. Um, and so I was I was glad to talk to her the other day and have her tell me that she was just in a much more healed, like, with there. She's still going to therapy, and she's got a support group. Awesome. She's like, so, yeah, I don't want him back. I'm like, okay, good. Thank, thank, God, we, thank God we have arrived. That's right. So... Um, before we kind of dive into your perspective on domestic violence, um, tell me a little bit about you, who you are, what you do. All right. Um, I'm Erica Johnson. Mm -hmm. I currently am a special victims prosecutor. Um, so that encompasses a lot. Uh, but <laughs> one of the things is domestic violence. Mm -hmm. So um, the way that it works in Durham, well, it's in Durham if I didn't say that. Um, but the way that it works in Durham is that there actually is a special grant for domestic violence prosecution. Um, so it's its own courtroom. Oh, wow. It's not the same as like your, it's not going to be in the same courtroom with like speeding tickets or like shoplifting things like that so it's his own courtroom it also has like special funds allocated um just for domestic violence really? um and since we are in raleigh wake county does have um the same type of setup and that there is its own courtroom for is that domestic a special violence. program like is that because it doesn't sound like every county has yeah that. they don't so i've okay. been um i interned before um coming like before actually starting to work um, I interned in other counties uh -huh. um and just I mean more rural counties more so mm -hmm. um so the resources are definitely not the same okay. and they are all heard within the same courtroom as everything okay. else okay um so a lot of it has to deal with overall funding um as well as kind of what we can work with. Yeah. So like in the other county that I was in, um, there was only one courtroom, like period, yeah. for district I've been, court. I've been to some of those counties. <laughs> I've got yeah. tickets in some of those places. <laughs> so it's like we didn't really have, like there was not really a space um, for people. So I mm -hmm. mean, when I did come to Durham, I thought that that was something that was really unique and yeah. it's definitely out of all the counties um, and districts. Like that's definitely something that's not, that's necessarily crazy. commonplace within our state. So how did you get into that? Like, how do you, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, how do you, because it sounds like it's not even something that's offered lots yeah. of places. So how do you get into like, all right, I'm going to do this. So I basically fell into it. So that's not the <laughs> position that I started in. Okay. Um, so I just knew in law school that whenever I graduated, I wanted to help people in yeah. some way. Yeah. Um, so that way has changed over the years. Yeah. Um, but at first I was in what we call our jail position, mm -hmm. uh, which is just doing like first appearances after people are arrested you have to read uh, their rights okay. well part of their rights is you read in the warrant to say overall what they're charged with right okay. so that's the role of the prosecutor like in that courtroom okay. but again in more rural areas that's not even a thing <laughs> like that's part of the regular courtroom so right. you're going to be in the same if you have a speeding ticket you're going to be in the same right. courtroom at the same time as right. people who have just recently been arrested and are being held for other right. things Right. Okay. Um, okay. so again that's like a more specialized situation and just the way that Durham works um, along with some other counties mm -hmm. um, that are uh, that are a bit more populated so they have a bit more resources as far right. as how many prosecutors we can have and things like that right. and I just always say prosecutor because that's like the global term mm -hmm. um, so like assistant district attorney is what it formally is but that's okay. just a North Carolina thing so like if you were to go to another state okay. It might be the state's attorney or some other name. But they do the same so, thing, basically. Yeah. So prosecutor is the one thing is that it, we all Everybody got gets it. Everybody knows what that is. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, you know, one of the things that we talked about a little bit before we started um, was that a lot of the people that I have had um, as part of the series have been from a victim perspective, right? So one of the things I was hoping for, well, I don't know. In my mind, I was hoping for <laughs> and then... The, then when I started thinking about, do you really want that OV? Was I was hoping that a guy would step forward, right? Like, mm -hmm. so either say I've been the victim of some chick that was like beating my face in, or to be like, I'm an abuser, which I know is challenging because uh, the abusers that I have encountered and the victims that I have encountered, their abusers don't identify as abusers. Yeah, you know. So mm -hmm. I think that would be more difficult for somebody to show up and be like, hey, I'll come on your show and talk about beating women. Like, And mm -hmm. I was thinking, well, if somebody showed up, like, how would you actually 
would you have the police meet him here? So I was like, you know, it's probably not a good idea. So I was really excited um, when you responded to the Facebook post because I think, you know, people don't, aside of there being a stigma, right? So there's a stigmatism that comes along with domestic violence, with being on the receiving end. You know, people have an idea of what they think it looks like or what they think how they think the victim looks or mm -hmm. feels or, you know, she must be weak or she must not have nothing or she must need that man for everything. Um, so aside of that, I think there is also a, a lack of knowledge where, you know, support Definitely. and like the law is concerned. So I was really excited um, when you responded because I felt like it will give people an opportunity to know what other resources they have from a law perspective. Right. Because, yeah. um, I mean, aside of people just not knowing, I mean, people, like, you get a restraining order, and people die every day that have restraining orders. Def unfortunately, that's you very know, true. Yeah. Um, when I was in high school, I was trying to get a restraining order against my boyfriend, and it was, like, the hardest thing ever. Mm -hmm. They were like, you know, basically, is he going to kill you? And I'm like, well, I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah. I don't know if he's going <laughs> to kill me, but I'm trying to come down here. So that he does not, right? Exactly. And so, like, what are some of the things, like, what are some of the things you've seen? Like, what are some advice that you might could give for somebody that might be in that situation, um, that might be afraid or, like, I mean, you know, and obviously there are various, um, there are various levels of severity. You know, some people yeah. are, you know, emotionally abused, but they would, you know, their partner has not, I won't say they won't, but they has not, it has not become violent, physically yeah. violent. Other people are, like, scared for their lives. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, what are some of the things that you've seen or experienced from the other side? Yeah, that, so like, I, I definitely know? am glad that we already started just touching on the <laughs> fact that, like, domestic violence doesn't mean that somebody has to be actively, physically hurting you. Right. Because um, that's the thing that even some attorneys, like, when they come into our courtroom, because, I mean, so... I got to back up a little bit. Okay. Um, so now we do have, like, I am part of Special Victims as a whole, so I have, like, more cases that are not just domestic violence, mm -hmm. but at one point I was in the position of the grant of that I was only doing domestic violence okay. cases. Okay. And then for a while um, I was still just doing domestic violence cases just on a more severe level, if you will. Right, okay. So those are, like, the ones that you see on TV, basically. Right, okay. Um, but they start out as small as, I guess you could say as small, because it's not dealing with injury to the actual person, but, like, yeah. to, like, slashing somebody's tires or, you know, like, breaking their windows. Wait a minute. <laughs> so, I'm asking for a friend. Mm -hmm. So, when you slashing the dude's tires that cheated on you, that <laughs> is considered domestic violence? Technically, yeah. I mean... Mm. Okay, I'm gonna <laughs> let my friends know. Yeah, I mean, not me. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. For a friend, not. of for course a friend, not. The friends, know. right? For so a <laughs> under okay. so another thing is also um, my specialty. I guess I don't even want to call it specialty, <laughs> but my knowledge is very much like strict to North Carolina, just okay. because like what I practice. So the chapter within like the general statutes, which is what establishes the law mm -hmm. within North Carolina, mm -hmm. um, is 50B. So chapter 50B is all mm -hmm. about domestic violence. Okay. So in that, it has the definition of what would constitute a domestic situation. Okay. Um, so it would be anyone that has lived with you. So like, let's say that you and your mom get into it. Mm -hmm. That's domestic violence under okay. that statute because it's someone that you have lived with at some point. So do you have to have lived with them for it to be considered no. domestic violence? No, it can be an intimate partner okay. relationship. Okay. That was okay. just an example of just something one. that like people are like, that's domestic violence and it's like Technically, under the law, yes, it is. Right, okay. Um, it, but definitely, it. like, intimate partner violence. Um, most counties do acknowledge same-sex relationships, mm -hmm. but unfortunately, given, like, the law, and it takes forever to update, and it's mm -hmm. just so behind in, the like, the legality of it. Right. It's not okay something that's covered well it would be covered under it would be covered under a different portion so okay. like as far as the intimate partner portion um and i haven't read the statute that recently that's but okay. um from my understanding i believe that the intimate partner version does say something about being opposite sex couples okay. um but 
if they were if someone were to live together so like roommates is something that's also covered so even though it might not be listed in the way that you will be most familiar with technically it still is covered to some degree okay um but most counties like despite what the law is like we still we still will accept things that are domestic violence so like for us in Durham um our our office definition of domestic violence Mm -hmm. is different from what the police department is so the police department Mm -hmm. has like a domestic violence like unit to where they're specially trained to deal with domestic violence situations and relationships okay um and they have special investigators that are trained to deal with domestic violence okay but that investigator may not be sought may may not be assigned to a case that we have that Mm -hmm. we would qualify as domestic violence. So does that cause challenges sometimes? I mean, I would yeah, imagine. <laughs> definitely. I would, I would imagine, like, if I call the police, right, and they show up, and in my mind, and maybe even in, in like, you all's mind in the court, it's a domestic situation or domestic violence situation, and the police are like, eh, they don't really qualify. Or the yeah. other way around, <laughs> I could see that being, you know, being challenging, especially for, like, a victim trying to, yeah, so a lot of it um, is just also kind of knowing about the process a little bit. Right. Um, so usually, like, if we're taking the TV version, and I always just reference TV because that's what everybody's familiar that's with. That's it. So, like, the TV version of, like, calling 911 at yeah. 2 o'clock in the morning uh-huh. uh, while you don't have no shoes on and, like, a real emergency just took place and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um there will be a patrol officer that will right. respond. So okay. we're still not dealing with people who technically have had certifications and special dealings with domestic right. violence. Right. Um, but there are certain protocols and procedures that they do have to follow just based on their like regular police training right. Right. Um, that they would know like the steps. But then at that point, at some point, depending on what type of case it is, Mm -hmm. um, they will make a call to the domestic violence investigator. And at that point, the case will get assigned. So it's a little bit later in the process and Mm -hmm. it's not right then, like more than likely. It's not like TV where you have an investigator like pulling up on scene as it happens. <laughs> right, like, right. Usually that's not. Really I mean, the on case. TV they solve everything in like <laughs> <They> twelve <do. laughs> hours. Well, you get one episode and they have like they have they have stalked somebody, they've killed somebody, they've solved the crime, they've arrested them, and the person is serving like twenty years. You got exactly. thirty minutes, yeah, and it's so minutes. much slower than that, <laughs> like all yeah. around. Definitely set our expectations <laughs> up to be to be a dumpster fire. Um, yeah. So tell me. All right, so let's back up before we. So at one point, I do want you to tell me like worst, like the worst situation that you have experienced or like dealt with. But before we get there, what are the steps that a victim like could take? I won't even say should take because I yeah. think that there is definitely a case by case. It's basis. definitely a case by case basis, and I think that there are. You know, I also think probably more than anything else, it's very easy for somebody on the outside to be like, this is what you should be doing. Mm -hmm. You know, if you knew better, if you didn't really want to be there, if you if you was really tired of him hitting you in the face, you would just leave or you would just get your things. And ultimately, like oftentimes it's not that simple. It's not, you know, by the time somebody is physically abusing you, um, oftentimes they have already mentally abused you to the point that like leaving is not even something you could envision you know you were it's just not usually by the time that that comes around and it's at a place where other people can see it the the emotional and mental abuse has also taken place and so yeah and it's also just like that's part of the frustrating part like I absolutely love what I do Mm -hmm. um and they're definitely good days and bad days like any place but it's like that's what is at the top of the struggle so sort of going back on like how I just fell into it it's basically like you know the position became available and mm-hmm. technically it was a promotion so I mean I'm gonna be like no right you was like, um, oh, okay yeah 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 yeah, yeah. let's do that <laughs> yeah but on like the outside looking in like everybody is like oh it's DV like I'm gonna stay away from that and yeah. people are always it's just very much like I don't really want to do that and if I absolutely have to like maybe I'll do it but I'm not really trying to yeah so yeah, it is yeah. one of the most dreaded positions yeah like period (laughs) it just is because the frustration is that you know there's so much that we have to do legally in order to get a conviction or get a guilty and the victim may not be ready so I mean that's something that I appreciate now as far as like my office and um 
how we approach our cases, but it's just that like it's very much now a lot more victim centered in that, you know, we are we're basically here whenever you're ready. Yeah. So we understand that it's gonna it, it's gonna take some time. Yeah. And unfortunately, well, a lot of times that means that there may be some charges and someone may not come to court. So the reality is that at the end of the day to proceed with the case, 99.9% of the time, like we need the victim in order to say, cause I mean, that's the whole thing about domestic violence is that usually it happens within four walls and it's only two people in that room. So you have the defendant coming to court and saying, this is what happened. But then we have the victim that's. Afraid don't know or like yeah. didn't want to come. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because in listening to you talk about that, the <laughs> thing that that rings in my mind is when you see back to TV. Right. Yeah. You see um, people call the cops. And when the cops get there, she called the cops. Mm-hmm. But then when the cops get there and they're ready to take him away, she's like, no, get off my man. Just mm-hmm. leave, leave him alone. That's right. Um, you know, and so I can't imagine the like the difficulty. Right. And as yeah. a parent, I think about the fact that like if it was happening to one of my daughters or even even if it was happening to my son or if my son was doing mm-hmm. like was the abuser i would absolutely be ready to file a case on their behalf but then when right. you think about like you can do those things when you have children you know you yeah. can do those things but if they're not ready then it's not going to do anything then it's not going to do anything it's going to yeah. be a waste it's going to be with people's wasted time and money you know and unfortunately sometimes people it's too late you know by the time mm-hmm. they get ready it's it's just it's too yeah. late. And it's like my overall approach has just changed um, to where from like dealing with it in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then just as I've had more cases and stuff, yeah. it's just kind of just like, I mean, unfortunately, we can't save everyone. Yeah. So it's part of like, you know, you want to say like, oh, like it, it is sad. Mm-hmm. Like once we do get that case where it comes like to the worst case scenario yeah. that everyone thinks about. Um but I mean, we just got to do what we can with what we got, and yeah. then so how keep many? It going so and just a, a so this is not. I'm not expecting you to like spit statistics like yeah, last because I girl. have none. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So that's not my expectation. Um, but just from kind of memory, about how many would you say? Let's say out of fifty, if you get fifty domestic cases, out of those fifty, how many would you say, like? go all the way through with a conviction and like how many are like oh i don't want to show i don't want to do this Mm, that's difficult um so i ain't gonna have a number yeah so not a number but i just mean is it like a lot or or is it like more often than not people show up and do what they're supposed to do or um a lot of times it just depends because we also have like a whole lot of other factors that kind of get us to the finish line sometimes yeah so like even if we don't have a um if we don't have a victim come in, sometimes uh, we're able to necessarily get a conviction because we've had somebody who's been in custody for so long and they would rather just take the plea for like ah, active time or something so that they can get out. They can get out. And it's not the best case scenario from anybody's perspective because at the end of the day, we still don't really know whether they were wrongly arrested or what yeah. happened. And then there's also always dealing with any type of DV situation. There's the... Uh, predominant aggressor versus yeah. like the primary aggressor. So, so you may have someone who very actively that night, and you know, I want to. We're gonna touch on the whole male <laughs> being a victim too. Um, so, if the roles were commonly reversed, because mm-hmm. we just think domestic violence, all the victims right. are women, right? Um, so, if we have a male victim and he is the one that had that, you know will show up when the police show up you know he's got a black eye yeah and all those other things well that was just that night that unfortunately the victim the true victim maybe got to got to that point right so that doesn't mean that he's not an abuser (laughs) but then he may come to court and then we have someone who really was a victim that hasn't been coming to court for years, months, right. what have you, right. because they were afraid. But right. then when the police showed up that one time, he was there. 
And I should have put it the other way so that I could have been the female. But, you know. <laughs> but I get it. But, but yeah. I get it. I get it. I get it. He's been the one that she's been beating on him. And he didn't call the police, didn't call the police, didn't call the police. And mm-hmm. then he got tired of it. And now he knocks her out. And now all mm-hmm. of a sudden, yeah. you know. Everybody's automatically victim. like, he did it because yeah. he's the one. But meanwhile, he's been suffering in silence. Okay. So, so I've definitely dealt with those type of um, situations. Uh, regardless of if it is a male or female. Um, So that is just always, like, kind of rough. And then, I mean... I mean, obviously, I don't get as many male victims as I was going to say, when when the males come forward, is it because... Like, what... So typically, when you get a male victim, Mm -hmm. I mean, is he like, (laughs) I just couldn't take it anymore, I was going to kill her? So, because in my mind, I, I mean, because I... I actually think I feel more, um, sorry is not the right word, but definitely I feel more compassion for male victims mm-hmm. because, so so women, you know, sometimes lack support, people are viewed a certain way, you know, but if you talk about domestic violence, people automatically assume you're talking about male to female, mm-hmm. right? So I have a little bit more compassion for men that go through it because they are expected to just take it right? no matter what. Like, mm-hmm. no matter what's being said, no matter what's being done, they are expected to just, you are the stronger species, you are not supposed to put your hands on her. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what she's saying or what she's doing. And so I feel a little more compassion because I would imagine they feel less, they feel more isolated. Like, mm-hmm. I can't tell my boys that my wife be beating my ass in here. Like, mm-hmm. I can't tell my boys that, that they are going to clown me. You and know? that's why I think that, honestly, the statistics, although they do say that more women are victims of domestic violence, I think that um, if that stigma was removed and yeah. they were able to tell their boys, for lack of a better term, right, right then I do think that the we would all be surprised I agree. <laughs> as far as how close it really is. I agree. So, I mean, I have no evidence or no proof of it, but mm-hmm. I think that it will be a lot close. It will be a lot more split down the middle than we think it is. I agree. And I think, you know what? <laughs> I think that simply on the strength of, so I have a son. My son is 25. He's my oldest kid. I think that simply on the strength of, we teach our boys not to hit. Mm-hmm. Well, some of us teach our boy. I yeah. teach my son not to hit. Yeah. Right. Um, and him having grown up in a house of females, like he will tell you now, like the I'll leave first. Like mm-hmm. I'm not putting my hands. I have a I have a mother. I got two sisters. Like I'm not right. putting my hands on a female. But I can recall a couple years ago, pre pandemic. It feels like it was like 40 years ago. Yes. I feel like the pandemic has been going on forever. It was a whole era. It was I've a whole era. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel so. I can remember going to a uh, my youngest daughter. Well, and my middle daughter both cheered. And so I can remember going to um, a game, like a basketball game, and we were leaving the basketball game, and there was a girl, they're in middle school, and there was a girl and a guy, kids in the Mm -hmm. lobby, and she was like wailing on this boy. And he was like, hey, stop. Hey, y'all quit. Like, and he is like got his arms up and he's blocking her hits. And she's, she's not really punching him, but she's like smacking him in the face and mushing him. And I'm like, and so my daughter could see the look on my face. She like, Ma, just come on. And I'm like, but she, she wrong. And she's mm-hmm. like, I'll just tell you about it in the car. And so we get in the car, and she's like, she always does him like that. I'm like, he doesn't say anything? And she's like, nah, he just be like, quit. I said, now, see, the problem with that is she clearly learned that behavior from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, she got that from somewhere. Somebody has has either distributed, um, not distributed, displayed to her that that behavior is okay, mm-hmm. right? And someone has taught him not to hit back. Right. right, and I'm like, but the first time that he either gets embarrassed or she catch him the right way, or and he hauls off and knock her head off, he's gonna be in the wrong. It's gonna be a problem. Right now, <laughs> now her, now her uncles and her daddy and all them mm-hmm, gonna want to show up at the school, mm-hmm. you know, and put their hands on the. But they were there when she they had them pinned to the floor listen, and was going in and was going in times. for seemingly nothing. Because mind you, while I'm watching, he is steady backing up. Mm-hmm. And like he like turned his back on her a little bit, but then she hit him in the back, so now he don't turn his back on her. So I'm like, and they couldn't have been no more than 12, 13, 14. They're in middle school. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I know it's happening to men, 
right? Yeah. And and so, and not all of them, probably not even half of them are weak. I don't, because I don't think women are weak that it happens to. Yeah. Um, I just think you, you know, same kind of situation. Like you love someone or you see them for the person that they are when they're not angry. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, maybe as a man, you're like, I'm a man. I could take it. It's not a big deal. Her hips don't even hurt. Why? Okay. But your ego is definitely a little bruised. You're not going to tell me that it's not. Mm-hmm. So I just... You know, I have a little bit more compassion um, for them. Um, so in your experience, like what is maybe one of the worst cases? And then like what advice would you have oh, before we get to the advice? What is one of the worst cases? And then what is from a law perspective, like the procedure for and the expectation for a domestic violence victim? If I were coming to the courthouse to file a restraining order or to. I don't know, whatever the first step is. I, I've, I've been in a situation, and I'm ready to get out. Mm-hmm. Not currently, I just mean. Yeah, just I, I hypothetically speaking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't want nobody. My mom will call me and be like, so we in a situation? Like, <laughs> oh, we in a situation? Oh, oh he put his hand on you? <laughs> no, no, no. This is not currently. This is absolutely hypothetical. So if I were in a situation, and I were ready to get out, what would be, like, the steps, and what is the expectation? What should the expectation of that, those steps be? from a law perspective um i think that unfortunately the law doesn't really have a lot of good remedies i know (laughs) it's not but i mean it is what it is okay but i mean i would i mean i would recommend Mm -hmm. um always and i mean i tell this to anybody whether they're like a victim that's part of a case that i'm involved in or just like talking to a friend um, it's definitely filed a protective order. So okay. a protective order or DBPO, which stands for Domestic Violence Protective Order, mm-hmm. uh, 50B. That's also what we shorthand call it because it's part of that statute. Okay. Um, so that's the civil side. So that's like the paperwork. So okay. a lot of people would be like, oh, it's just a piece of paper, this, that, and the third. Um, but it has a lot of power at the end of the day. So okay. my thing is, if you make it out alive, it's worth right. it. Right, right, <laughs> so, right. If it saves your life. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, it doesn't save everyone because right. um, that's like the worst case, which technically it wasn't my case, but that's what my worst case is going to be is something dealing with um, someone who did have a protective order. Yeah. Um, because that's it, the case that I'm going to talk about um, is not uncommon when it does happen so obviously that's going to end in death but um it's not uncommon and i mean it just shows to how vicious the cycle of domestic violence is and that you can do all the right things or what you think is the most right and you can try to follow everything to a t and do what you can but at the end of the day it's still like domestic violence every time is that beast and unfortunately is going to get the best may get the best yeah so um and then i think that that also should settle in with the reality of people to be more understanding from the outside as to why it's not as easy to leave because even when you when even when people do leave they still end up dead so it's just like you know, you might not think, oh, you're really not going to kill her and this, that, and the third. And it's like, but there really is a chance. Right. Take it seriously. Yeah. So <laughs> I just, like, that's why I just, like, mainly when it just comes to, like, my personal opinion, like, I just really don't have one because it re- there's really no specific remedy. There's no specific case. And even when I talk to I don't want to say my victims, but like for my cases, your babies, yeah. yeah, Like (laughs) it's just that the law doesn't really provide a lot of remedies. So it's like the main thing basically is just that, you know, when you file for that protective order, like you've at least, that's the best way to show the legal system that you are trying to remove yourself from the situation and you are trying to get in a place of safety. Right. Um, So that's usually the first step. And I mean, that's usually what people know. Right. Um, but then right. it's also really hard to get because the system, although it is a system, like there's still people within the system. So every right. judge is not the same. So you could give right. the same story to one judge and then the same story to another judge. And then one is going to be and one is going to end in you get in that protective order. Right. The other one is going to be that you don't. Right. So. I mean, it's just a, it's always kind of just like depends on what day it is, yeah. what mood people are in. Okay. Because there are people within this system. 
Um, so definitely the protective order, like that's something that I always emphasize, like, and the more that I do this type of work, I mm. believe in even more. Okay. So, I mean, it's hard for me to argue when that it's not just a piece of paper because technically it is, but I mean, right. there's a lot of stuff that's just a piece of paper. Technically money, just a piece of paper. Okay. So it's like, I mean, okay. we I could mean, put okay. that on the same, you we could put that on the same right. thing. You you have a deed to a house that's just a piece of paper right, so it makes it your house that's right exactly that's right. so it's like if you view that in the same way it's like yeah it's just a piece of paper but it has a lot of power behind it right and it also takes a lot of courage for somebody to go into a courtroom and tell a judge in front of a group of strangers all of these things yeah. that have happened at a very intimate point in their life yeah. intimate in setting and intimate in just what the overall situation is right. so that's like Whew. So I also on the flip side of it, like I understand when people aren't at that point and don't want to get a protective order and are really resistant to doing that. Yeah. But I do think that there is a lot of power and significance behind getting that protective order. Okay. Um, also, it is unique to the law and that is one of the only things that I know of. Um, and I mean, I haven't been practicing law forever, <laughs> so I'm not like an expert or anything. Um, but it's something that it's one of the only things that I'm aware of that starts out as a civil document. So in law you have, it's either one or the other It's criminal or civil. Right. And criminal is just what everybody sees on TV, but yeah. like really probably 80% of the law is like civil. Okay. So anything that people are like, Oh, I need a lawyer for this. Like I got rear ended and my back hurts. Like that civil law, um, filing for a protective order is something that's civil. So when you get the protective order, it's the court telling someone else not to do something. Right. So okay. technically it's not against the law. It's just that there's a violation of something. So okay. for people who pay child support, that's something that is civil. So that's the court okay. saying you have to pay X amount of dollars. Right. So that, I, that actually is the only other situation that something <laughs> that right. is civil can turn criminal. Right. So, well, I don't think that it's against the law to not pay child support, but it's something that you can be incarcerated. I was going to say, well, you can until definitely you go to pay. jail. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's, uh, that's a whole nother expertise in itself <laughs> that I don't know nothing about. Okay. But for the protective order, when you do get it, it is civil. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you have to renew it every year or every two years, depending on what type it is, um, all of that is civil. But when someone violates that protective order, then mm -hmm. it becomes criminal. So that becomes, so with misdemeanors, um, and once again, all of this is in the state of North Carolina. So like a speeding ticket would be like a class three, which is the lowest misdemeanor that there is, mm -hmm. but the highest is an A1. So it goes A1, one, two, three. So three is at the bottom. That's your speeding ticket. Um, and then A1 is violating a protective order. Okay. So that automatically, regardless of your record level, can put someone in custody. So that's like potential jail time. It don't mean that the person's going, like if they violated the protective order and they get found guilty of mm -hmm. viola violating the protective order, that doesn't mean that they're automatically going to jail. It just means that it's a possibility. So if you get your first speeding ticket, it's not a possibility that you're going to go to jail. <laughs> right. If you're going 10 miles over the speed limit, it's not a possibility for you to go right. to jail. Like right. you're not about to get arrested. Stuff don't like say that. that. My daughter might listen. Don't say <laughs> so before we before we wrap up, I do want to hear your like your worst. Oh yeah, the worst case. Yeah. So going back to that one, it was never my case, but it's just kind of the worst case that I, that always comes to mind. Um, and it was pre-COVID, so it seems like forever, forever ago. ago yeah. So I don't know the names of the parties. I don't know when it happened. Um, I just know that it was while I was. Yeah, that was it. Was kind of like a wake up call to. Because we had something similar within our office, but mm -hmm. it wasn't, it, it didn't end in a homicide. Okay. Um, so basically, um, the victim, who was a female, and I believe she had a child, I'm not sure. Oh, wow. Um, but she was like going to the doctor's office or something like that. I'm really shaky on the facts, but the whole point is <laughs> okay. that um, he definitely violated the protective order. So okay. she got a protective order. I don't even know if they were married or not, but at the time I was so read up on it because it was yeah. just like, what in the world? Right. Um, so um, she was going to wherever, like a public place basically. And, um, and he murdered her like in that parking lot. 
and then he um then he committed suicide so it was a homicide suicide i think is what we call it i think yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, yeah, so that happened um so that's kind of like the worst case because it's like everybody loses yeah like it's a news article but like we don't hear we, we don't get to hear from her perspective and also he had a so he had violated the protective order before. Okay. So there was a pending protective order violation right. under the law. Like he still had court right. that he had to go a criminal court that he had to go to for violating the protective order. Right. So that was coming up like within the next month. And it's like, you know, you think that you get so far. Yeah. And I can only imagine her struggle to even get to that point. And I mean, you know, she's doing everything right. She, right. Right, what we would say is right, right. or you know, society, right. I guess. Yeah. Whatever the proper steps are, like she took all of those steps. Like she got the protective order. She remained consistent with yeah. it. Then when he violated the protective order, she called law enforcement. There were charges that were taken out. Yeah. He was on his way to maybe being found guilty, hopefully. Yeah, right, right, right. But, she had done everything <laughs> she was supposed to do. It sounds like. Yeah, she she did everything that she could after getting out of the relationship but that then, sounds um tough yeah i can't um and it's like i was at work when it happened because it happened in the middle of the day because like she was literally going to some type of appointment like i said i don't know if it was a doctor's appointment or not but like she was on her way just you know doing something in her everyday life yeah. and the irony behind all of it is that the location that she the parking lot that it was in was very very close to a domestic violence advocacy place so she wasn't going to that place for sure because it was like it wasn't but it just still right yeah but it was just that like you know it doesn't hit more home than that yeah um okay but resources i'm like oh i bet i'm <laughs> yeah, glad resources. i was like what was i gonna ask and he said that and i'm like maybe i won't go ask nothing um so yeah what type of resources are so one of the things that i do try to do um so i've done this might be the second series that i've done and so one of the things that i do try to provide people is resources so you know if they are struggling if they know somebody that's struggling if they see somebody that's struggling like you know, um, I, I laughed. It, it wasn't funny. But I laughed because um, when I was posting last week's episode and I was listing the resources, I was, you know, I try to fact check them, right? Mm-hmm. So I call one of the numbers and then, no, I go to one of the websites and it comes up and it's like, you know, FYI, this is being recorded. Someone might reach out to you. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm just, <laughs> don't call me. I'm fine. I'm not in a situation. I just, you know what? Never mind. Clearly this works. <laughs> I just closed out the website. So, like, what types of things? Um, because, so, before I even get there, I'll go back to mental health. The reason that I started to try to provide resources for people in the midst is because it can be difficult to tell somebody else about your struggle. Definitely. Right? It can be difficult to tell somebody else that you ain't got out of bed and showered in three days, right, or a mm-hmm. week, or that you, you know, or that your boyfriend's beating your face in, or that yep. the reason you hadn't been to work in a week is because you got a black eye, or, yeah. you know, you didn't really slip and fall on the ice, you know, he pushed you, mm-hmm. or he dropped something on your foot, you know, I mean, or yeah. you're the one, like, it could also be difficult to be like, I have an anger problem, and yeah, when I definitely. get mad, I, you know, want to punch somebody in the face, you know what I'm saying? Or I am punching somebody in the face. Um, And so I try to provide resources for people so that if they're not at the point where they can tell somebody, oftentimes people already know, right? But if they're not (laughs) at the point where they can, you know, do that, that they can also get some resources um, without having to tell anybody that they know necessarily. Because the other challenge that I have or the other thing that I struggle with internally is I think sometimes people – dismiss are overly dismissive of the things that their children are seeing and what they're taking from that definitely you know so maybe you aren't the abuser maybe you're the victim but like do you have a child in your home that's watching you be abused mm-hmm. and like yeah that's continuing the cycle. that continues the cycle and maybe it means that that child 
you know, says, okay, from here on out, I know what that does. I will never put my hands on another person. But maybe you're creating an abuser, Mm -hmm. right? Or maybe you're creating a child who believes it's okay to be abused or who abuses other people or other animals, you know, things like that. And so Mm -hmm. it really, I have a real soft spot for children and old people. (laughs) And so it really, really, really bothers me um, to consider that we are potentially like perpetuating the cycle of abuse mm-hmm. for little people that are and it might not even be little they just watching like people yeah. who abuse people typically grew up watching that they grew yeah. up watching that being okay and that's what i like about know. um pathways to change is going to be my first resource okay cool. not for victims um but for abusers um okay. so that is the um orange county and durham county okay. um resource as far as like who so and it's called pathways to change mm-hmm, i just write it to down so i can yep. link it when i post yeah and i can also send them to you too okay yeah um but i have had i just have i've had a little bit more training just because they do offer services for durham okay. um so part of well part of my job um, it's not to convict people. Well, right. I mean, that's what people say, but like, that's not what it is. Like I don't get paid any different if I convict two people or no one right. versus a hundred people. So it's not about the convictions. Um, it's just really about making our community safer yeah. for, and that looks a lot of different ways. So right. the community, even though domestic violence is something that more times than not happens very behind closed doors, like that still does pour out into the community. Right. Um, so Pathways to change. Uh, oh, so basically whenever someone is convicted of an offense that is domestic violence mm-hmm. um, as part of if they're not going to prison um, and they're on probation, which more more cases than not happens because unfortunately um, just given the amount of times that it takes for a victim to come forward right. and they're not being a legal record of this abuse right then they're not gonna then more than likely we're not putting people in jail for that right um so the first step is placing them on probation and getting help for them okay um so there is the domestic violence commission okay that all classes that an abuser does take um have to be approved by the domestic violence commission um so there is a list and i will send you that one too okay uh for every for all of the counties within north carolina Mm -hmm. um and where those serve like where those services are that anyone who is an abuser can take a court certified class okay so basically like Um, a lot of times everybody talks about anger management, anger management, um, but through the court system, mm-hmm. it's the abuser treatment program. So that's okay. something that's approved by the Domestic Violence Commission okay. and Pathways to Change offers that. Okay. Now, since it is a much more intensive class than anger management, um, it does cost. So it's probably yeah. close to like $500, but it's over the course of like weeks at a time. Okay. So okay. it takes probably about half the year. The classes are about once a week. Um, and you pay you like you pay an enrollment fee and then right. you pay like each class that you go. Okay. And you can't miss a certain number of classes right. before you're dropped from it. Okay. Um, so all of that to say what I do like as far as what I know about that program, specifically with Pathways to Change, is that part of their abuser treatment program is that the abuser has to write a letter to the victim. Now okay. it's up to the victim. So in the beginning, they will re- Pathways to Change will reach out. Um, to the victim to see if they want to hear like any contact. So yeah. if they do want to be contacted, okay. um, they can be contacted at the beginning just to hear kind of how things will go. Um, they can be contacted in the middle to see like, have you seen any progress? Because right. just because someone's been convicted of right. an offense of domestic violence doesn't mean that they're not going to be in a relationship anymore. And it doesn't right. mean that in order for you to go through with the criminal justice process as far as domestic violence that you have to say, I'm never going to be with that person again. That's not what we're saying. Now it might make some things hard because, (laughs) you know, in perspective, like (laughs) people don't understand that. Like they're going to be like, man, you the one that got me in jail and why I'm in this position in the first place. Why I got to go to these classes. But that's the whole not taking accountability part. So, I mean, it's kind of pick your poison. Right. But, um, but the whole point is that they do have to write a letter to the victim and okay. the victim may receive it if they would like to okay. receive it or if they don't want any contact at all, then they don't have to. Uh, but they do have to write a letter basically saying 
um, like acknowledging the wrong that they've done and literally having to write out what kind of like what's happened. And they also learn about the things that have like we were talking about things that have been witnessed in the home and stuff like that. Because more than likely they got it from somewhere. It didn't just start yesterday. Sounds like therapy. Yeah. So it's very. um, And then some of the letters, just because I've been able to read some of them. Um, they're just, like, you know, you think, oh, like, well, at first I thought, you know, like people who, people who abuse people are, they're just wrong. Abusers are wrong and they all need to da 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 da. But like, you know, I mean, they're people too. And And it's learned behavior. Yeah. And I think that's part of the challenge. People don't necessarily. So, so let me back up. I like that the first resource you gave was for an abuser and not a victim. Yeah. Um, I think (laughs) there are millions of resources for victims, which I think is great, right? Mm -hmm. People need opportunities to get out of situations that are dangerous and unhealthy. But also like if we don't, if we don't figure out a way to, I don't know if cure is the right word. But kind of. Yeah, do if something. we don't cure the behavior, <laughs> we don't figure out a mm-hmm. way to, to fix the behavior of the abusers, we're just going to have more victims. Mm-hmm. It just might be different. They might look different, but they're yeah. still going to have to have more victims. And so I can appreciate that you gave um, that your first resource was for abusers because, like, they need help. Like, they need help. And mm-hmm. the people don't want to accept the fact that most behavior is learned behavior mm-hmm. no matter you know people whether it's good or bad yeah most behavior is learned behavior and so chances are if your homeboy is beating on somebody beating on his girlfriend beating on his you know baby mama whatever he got that from somewhere mm-hmm. you know whether it's his dad was doing it in his home or maybe his dad wasn't in the home and his who his uncle Johnny was beating on his mama like whoever it might have been you know that behavior is learned and along the way people it didn't get corrected mm-hmm. um so yeah that i think that's pretty powerful yeah um any like top piece of advice or top resource for um victims yeah so for it's very county specific so for wake <laughs> okay. county um they have interact okay um and act is in all caps so okay. like act mm-hmm. i'm sure it stands some stands for something but i don't work <laughs> okay. out here so i don't know that's but that's okay. just something that um excuse me a lot of times we have victims that will either live in wake county mm-hmm. or um have used them for resources for whatever okay. reason um so that's how I know about interact. Okay. Um, but then in Durham, we have the Durham Crisis Response Center. Mm-hmm. Um, so along with that being a resource, that is also something that anyone from any county can like Google to like buzzwords to use. So like okay. crisis response and okay. you don't have, you don't have to just be like domestic violence. <laughs> I need help. Like right. you don't have to Google, you, you don't have to do that necessarily. Right. Um, you can do like something with crisis or response or safety plan. Okay. Um, okay. I'm trying to think of some other things that don't necessarily say domestic violence, but would help. Yeah. Family Justice Center. Um, so most counties do have a family justice center. Okay. Um, and that is where you would go to seek the help that you would need. Okay. Um, and it's a lot of resources that. That's what I always tell. That's what I always tell my victims. Like it's unfortunate that you know i don't have all the answers and (laughs) um definitely don't have all the resources but i always refer them to the family justice center because they have infinite amount of resources that i could never think about and they know and have access to referral them and stuff like that so like therapy is something that i think is obviously very important like regardless of what you go through um but in some cases, depending on, and I don't know what the criteria is, mm-hmm. but they're able to refer um, victims to okay. therapy, like okay. uh, specifically like trauma-induced therapy, mm-hmm. um, like for low cost or no cost. Right. Okay. And then also dealing with the protective order, um, most family justice centers 
um, have the legal aid offices for those counties set up. So legal aid is a free legal resource. Mm -hmm. So they help with everything that's not criminal. Okay. Um, So they are able to essentially like walk you through the process of filing a protective order. And also most people who are trained at family justice centers Mm -hmm. know how to walk you through a protective order anyway. So a lot of times, like when I first, um, get a victim that comes to court for the first time mm-hmm. or that I've never seen or met. Um, I walk them down. Like once we finish whatever we have in court, mm-hmm. I walk them down to the Family Justice Center, Durham Crisis okay. Response Center, and say like, "Hey, um, this is like you know the resource." Right. And I just Here's like other I literally like link them with a person. Like I will be in the office. Like I'm that person to where I'm gonna sit in the office with you mm-hmm. until you complete the intake form mm-hmm. and you link with someone before I leave (laughs) so that because some people don't have that yeah so it's like you have like I just want you to be able to have all the resources that you can um so if other things come up like of course child care becomes an issue that's why a lot of people don't come to court and I mean now don't even talk about COVID because that just brings a whole nother (laughs) (laughs) layer of issues in yeah but it's just like um, they're able to, like, they are trained in all of these things. They're basically able to put out fires, yeah. and that's what they're trained to do. So I always, always, always link anyone with the Family Justice Center. So I also think that it's important for, like, all of these resources that everybody know of them so that if they come into contact with anybody that they may think mm-hmm. um, is a victim or is, like, someone that's close to them, yeah, like, I'm very much a proponent of everyone is specially trained or people are specially trained to do certain things for certain reasons. So like I always just give the regular example of like, you know, I'm not going to go to my dentist to like perform open heart surgery. On right. <laughs> so right. it's like, right. and I'm right. not going to ask my friend to do it. So it's like, uh, right. Not if you want to keep your heart. No, that's correct. <laughs> so it's like when I do have friends that have, that are victims or have been victims, mm-hmm. like, I mean, I listen to everything. I like, I'm willing to listen to everything that they say, but right. like, usually I just don't have a lot to say because it's that, you know, I don't want to share my opinion because most of the time I don't have one. And it's not because like, I just yeah. don't care. It's just that I don't have an opinion because it's your specific situation and it's unique right. to you. Right. So anything that I may think is like, I'm not in the situation right. so I can think whatever I want to think. Like I can think what everyone else usually thinks. and like, Oh, why don't you just get up out that situation yeah. girl? Yeah. <laughs> or like, <laughs> yeah. Oh no, you need to go ahead and stay in that one. Like, yeah. no, this is, this is dangerous. So, that's when like I just always just refer 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 because I'm not the expert on it it's something that I can talk to you all day long about prosecuting and how it might turn out and what the different outcomes may be but I'm gonna refer 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 every single time and I think you know (laughs) one of the things that I'll say um you know lastly is that I I in having these conversations and personal experiences, like I think the probably the most beneficial advice anybody could give would be to like not ignore the signs in the mm-hmm. beginning. Yeah. Like it's it's much more difficult to walk away when you love somebody, yeah. right? Or once the sex is good, or once mm-hmm. y'all got a baby together, or once people know y'all. But like yeah. chances are those things, those same signs showed up in the beginning Definitely. but they was cute then mm-hmm. you know, it was cute when he was telling you what you could wear it was cute mm-hmm. when he didn't want you to have no male friends mm-hmm. or she didn't want you to have no female friends it was cute when they were combing your social media mm-hmm. and like delete them take that down delete this mm-hmm. it was cute when you know it was just a little argument yeah. you know um and so you just brush it under the rug like oh girl he loved me or he just he he just want me to himself like you don't really consider what that looks like two three four seven years down the line mm-hmm. you know or sometimes um, a couple months or a that's, couple months that's right. another thing is just seeing the escalation and just how yep. every situation is different so yep. i will have a victim that this is like their first time yeah and i mean i especially hate it since we are in durham i will have students from duke and yeah. um nccu yeah so it's just like you know you're and as a parent now, like, you know, I sent you off to college to get your education. Not, not be dealing with that letting somebody okay. punch you in the face. <laughs> so yeah. it just it just hits a little harder because I'm just like, yeah. goodness, like it's 
it's just like looking at a child. I mean, yeah. even though they're grown adults, like it's just that, like you know, you just left home. Yeah. And now, like here we are. Like you ain't. I know you didn't have on your list of things that you were gonna do in college was come to court and see me. Right. So I always tell people whenever we finish a case, hopefully you never have to see me again. I'm always here if you ever need me for anything. Yeah. But I hope that I'll never have to see you again. Well. I want to thank you for not only um, taking the time with me today and like all the schedules and reschedules. So I appreciate you pregnant. Like no I appreciate problem. you doing this to me today, but I also want to take an opportunity and genuinely thank you for the work that you're doing. Um, there is d domestic violence is one of the things for me, like that's like mental health. Like you could yeah. have a million resources and you could need a million more. That's right. Right. Um, and so I appreciate the work you're doing, even though I've never had to be like, Erica, help me. But now I can be like, y'all, I know somebody. Don't play, okay, because I'm going to get you sent to jail. Mm -hmm. So don't play. Um, but just, you know, continue the work. Continue to have the heart that you have. Um, I think that, you know, so mental health is like my, like where my heart gets all warm and fuzzy, right? Um because I think that those some of that those things along with like people who service kids or people who are doctors, like you have to have a heart for that stuff because it is not yeah. easy, mm -hmm. you know, and it's not easy to do those things. Um, so I just I just want to commend you for that work. You look super young, so like <laughs> don't quit. They need you. We need you, um, especially as you know as a black woman. Like that, those things are important. So yeah. I just wanted you to know I appreciate it. I appreciate being here. Thanks for having me. Yes, ma'am. <laughs>